to this week's episode of Life in Private Staffing. Hope you're well and had a good week. As you know, I'm Philippa Smith, the MD and owner of Silver Swan Recruitment. And uh, every couple of weeks when we release our episodes, we have on different guests that have uh, that have some kind of career in the private sector. And we try and get people on from all walks of life who have had all sorts of journeys and um, offer different services or do different things and just to sort of give us all different perspectives and angles into the industry really and this week is no different. I have Kate with me today and Kate uh, entered into the private sector after doing a totally unrelated degree which we all do which is brilliant and, um, and worked her way through gaining experience working with ultra high net worth to the point where she started her own company and I think a lot of people at the moment especially coming out of the pandemic I think a lot of people like the idea of running their own company so I think it's quite uh, good getting people on who are within the private sector have their own company because I think people are interested as to what is it you do what service do you offer can I do something similar what are the highs what are the lows so uh, I think fine talking about people's journeys as, uh, to, as to where they how they got to where they got is really interesting for a lot of people so thanks for coming on the show Kate how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Good. We were just saying, everybody, that Kate lives in Clapham normally, and she's now in the middle of nowhere in Scotland, uh, riding out the pandemic and loving it, but um, desperate to come back. So that's where you are at the moment, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah, in the middle of the Highlands. Mm, Must have been quite nice, like, we're stuck here, we're not doing anything here. You may may as well be up there with a bit of space. Absolutely. So nice and remote, so much space, and the beach, of course, which is wonderful. Yeah. Has it been wet? It has. Do you know what? It's rained a lot and it's um, it, there's like gale force winds constantly. So everyone keeps saying to me, oh, it must be so wonderful. It's so wonderful. I had to go. I had to cycle and find a place that sold silicon earbuds mm-hmm. so I could sleep at night because the rain is so loud and the wind is so loud. It's like drumming and whistling constantly. <laughs> so it's now actually just started turning to go back to like good weather. But yeah, the, the first few weeks we were here, I mean, I didn't sleep at all. I bet. When did you go up? Because last summer was lush. Were you in Clapham still then? I was in Clapham still. Yeah, we only came up probably three four weeks ago yeah we came up three four weeks ago yeah so it's been we've just seen the last of the winter here yeah well hopefully it's turning it's turning here in the UK now this is this is a bit of a mistimed podcast because like this we're recording this in March I'm gonna have a baby in April so this is gonna go out in May for everybody that's confused about why I'm talking about winter weather um but yes yeah, spring's turning here as well it's starting it like makes such a difference having yeah it really does so, um, Fab, well, enjoy your last few weeks there and get yourself back to London when the pub's open. It's my advice. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, um, so, we've got lots to cover today because I love finding out how entrepreneurs get to where they've got, especially in the private sector, um, because of the many things we could do, but it's never actually that easy. And selling a service to an ultra high net worth is very difficult. We can't pick up the yellow pages and just call receptionists and try and get in. We, we can't get to these individuals to sell our services. So we can talk a little bit later about how you and Anna, how I do that and how we promote ourselves in the industry. But take us right back to where it all began then. So you went to, to tell us about your degree. So I, uh, I went to university and I studied law and international relations. I went to Portsmouth University and loved it. Loved the, loved the degree, more so the 
um, politics side than the law side. Mm. Uh, and then I, when I finished my degree, I had every intention of going back and getting my master's, but wanted to take a bit of a break. So I got, uh, so I passed my degree and I was offered a role. I actually was offered this, this temporary role um, the morning of my last exam at university. Mm. So I accepted the role, went and sat my last exam and started with them the next day. It was reading contracts uh, mm-hmm. and uploading contracts into uh, this database for a travel company that had bought out another company that had gone as liquidation. So I did that for a few weeks and then they said, we have no legal department whatsoever. We need more support on this. Can you work further? So I ended up actually working for those first, I think I was with them for six weeks in total I I literally worked 6am in the morning till midnight every day uploading all their contracts like um t- I did everything to do with the, the buyout in, in terms of the legal paperwork that had to go to the um subleviation and uh, and make sure these flights and holidays were protected or these people who were on holiday could be brought back and and all that but I realized pretty fast that I hated what I was doing and that, <laughs> that I did not want to actually go into contract law uh, it was so repetitive and yeah it was just every day I was thinking what am I doing I can't believe I'm going to go do my master's in this so mm-hmm. I decided to go traveling and I uh, ended up off I went off to the Caribbean for six months I island hopped through the Caribbean and then I flew to South Africa and got an overlanding truck for six months and worked my way up to Uganda mm. and while I was doing this travel I thought what happens if I don't go back and get my master's or what happens if I don't go back to that job what happens if I just see what else is out there and try something else so I got back and um I, I applied for all these roles and most of the applications I was doing I was just doing to get interview experience because you know I hadn't interviewed for forever at this stage Mm -hmm. um so I got I got interviewed for this PA role at a a sports agency and I thought I'm never going to get this I mean I can't stand sports to start (laughs) and I have no experience of sports and uh it was it was in 2012 so it was just before the London Olympics started Mm -hmm. I thought they're going to want someone who's so experienced who knows exactly what they're doing and they're never going to take me on so I went for this interview and um yeah the next day I got this phone call asking me if I could start you know in two days time and I was like you did you mean to know me (laughs) are you am I the right person so yeah I started this role with um the sports agency and I was there for just over three years and that got you that sort of got you into the sort of line work of PA just going back a little bit then so firstly um like it's so important I think to like just get straight into work after his degree because it's only really then do you know I don't really know when you pick when you do your A levels and you pick your degree. We haven't got a clue at the age of eighteen. Like we're pissed half the time. Like we've got a clue like whether what we want to be doing. I think I said before I just picked my easiest A level to go to uni with. Like I didn't. It happened to be a business degree, but it, that wasn't because I planned to do anything with business. Um, but yeah, so like it's not like it's like it's not as if I think you should do that and look back and be like what a waste of a degree it's not a waste of a degree it's got your degree it's a great foundation I know a few people that did law and sacked it off quite quick but it's really good to have there but I think what is yeah if you know you hate it immediately like don't waste your next 10 years doing it no. Pack your bags and go backpacking also um you're that 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 company you worked for big buyout process so they get in like a graduate 
yeah. to do all of their legal work. That's mental. At that stage, I don't think they even realised the scope of the paperwork. It was their first time buying. I mean, they're a new company themselves and it, yeah. this job just grew and grew and grew. It was just massive. And yeah, it, it was, it was, and I loved it, loved the admin side of it. That That's something I really did yeah. enjoy. I really enjoyed the admin creating files and systems. Mm. They did bring in someone who ran their legal side afterwards, but it was just starting that foundation for them. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I loved the admin. I hated the contracts. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I would sit there day after day, just thinking, oh my word. And I think sometimes with with contracts become so repetitive, people just assume that, oh, they're all going to be the same. They're going to be the same. So it's so mm-hmm. easy to make a mistake because that one contract can be exactly the same as fifteen, but it has just a few words out or a few differences, and you're like, oh, I need to go back and check everything because I didn't think those contracts were different. So yeah, it was just horrendous. Yeah. I, yeah that's like hats off to you like I own my own company and like honestly hand on heart I sign contracts like reading all the time all the time like have I read the contract no. in my office no like have I read like my t- even my my staff employment contracts that would draw up say yes I've technically read them but like a normal person doesn't even understand half of the like terminology and the way it's written and I'm terrible I'm terrible for um reading contracts for asylum honestly <laughs> so that, that's probably the only part of my well it's probably the main part of my law degree I still use is that I write our own contracts for the company um and I proofread all my clients contracts anything they get sent I proofread and send back edits mm. and yeah I do I read contracts for friends you know I get that's my biggest request you know I'm gonna sign this te- this landlord agreement can you just read this for me and I'm like okay yeah sure so I do read a lot of contracts still but thankfully I don't work in it day in day out yeah, and um, I might um, come to your company and use your service to read my contract myself in serious <laughs> hot water, signing my life away. <laughs> um, but that's cool. So you've obviously got a solid back, like background in sort of legal field. You have awesome time backpacking. Um, you decided to sack your original plan off completely. You came back and you randomly got this PA job. Um, exactly. You've never done any PA work and never into sports but cool and that's probably was your pivot point probably absolutely I mean I I think I because I I can be quite OCD in a lot of my personal Mm -hmm. life as well you know I love things being extremely organized like especially towels I get very upset when people mess my towels up Mm -hmm. so for me that organization just spoke to me on a different level I I loved it I thrived on that you know and I, I when I went into the sports agency it was a group of men and none of them had any admin ideas so you know I had this whole area that I could go and create all these digitized files and filing systems and put in protocols and procedures and I loved it and I think they probably hated me at the start but when they could find documents much easier they were very happy. Do you do that for three years? I did yeah I did so I wasn't going to do it for three years I, I was planning on trying to go back and do a master's in something else so at that stage I wanted to go back and do um, a master's in global health looking at enteric diseases in complex zones and just I mean I loved I loved what I was doing I just didn't I couldn't leave so I never went back and got my master's mm. so I I stayed with them for, for three just over three years and then I was headhunted to a, a corporate company in London who wanted me to um, 
uh, run their EA department. So they wanted to summon her, sit on top of all the EAs and manage the company's EAs for the senior management team and the directors and the board and all that. So that was quite exciting. And I took that role. I was, you know, all ready to go and do that. And um, when news went down to our clients that I was leaving, one of our main athletes uh, or one of our main um, well-known sportsmen said, please don't leave, like come work for us and, and run our family business and you could be head of events. And that really, really appealed to me because I was doing a lot of the event side of stuff and I really enjoyed that. And the family, I'd worked with them for three years within the agency and uh, thoroughly loved working with them so I was delighted to be given that opportunity so I went and I went into the private family sector at that stage then yeah yes how long are we talking now when was that so I left in 2000 probably the end of 2015 I went to join them mm. and I was with them until oh recently actually probably what are we on now 2021 so uh, I think 2019 is when we we kind of maybe even 2020s when we finished May 2020 so I was with them for um I, I worked with them privately for years and actually what was really lovely is that I rented desk space from the the sports agency so I was because oh, nice. still one of their, their their agents so it worked really well that I was still involved with the, the sports agency even though I was just working directly for one client um and I bought in um we, we, we had this wonderful person, uh, Kerry, who came and interviewed for my role and took over my role, who, who I actually went into the private sector with afterwards. So, um, so yeah, so Kerry took over my role. So we got to work together day in, day out. So I, I rented this desk space from, from, uh, from uh, the sports agency and worked directly with my client through them. Mm. Um, so what I was doing mainly with that at this stage was now just private family support. So looking after the private family all the travel my client used to travel like eight months of the year minimum wow. at that stage it was crazy um and then I did he had some property a lot of property so we managed that and they were building property abroad so I did some of the work on that as well and oversaw some of that with the architect and yeah it was it was amazing actually that that role and then also he had a charity and so head of events for the charity running those gala dinners and golf days and yeah loved it is he very busy yeah absolutely yeah. very busy but so rewarding and such a wonderful family actually you never ever felt you know like it was too much I just loved it you know what I've said this about a thousand times this podcast people must be sick to death of it but like people that move into the private sector that first family you work for will determine your your career in this industry because if absolutely. that is the right fit and you know and you have the experience that you had you will want to work with ultra high networks and work in the private sector for the rest of your career. Equally, I know people have had their first um, job. It wasn't the right fit for whatever reason and they hated every minute and then they couldn't get out quick enough. No. So it really is a make or break moment, that very first job uh, within the private sector. So it's lovely that, they, that it was so good, but it, you had the advantage because you knew the guy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I, you know, I was with him when he had a young child, when uh, I first started it with him, him and his wife had a young child. And, you know, I saw them through pregnancy and having their second child, mm -hmm. you know, they're just the most wonderful family and they completely incorporated me. I mean, his, his mum was, you know, she, she used to say that she had four sons and she said once to me, um, 
you know, I've only ever had four numbers above my phone in at the house. And now I have your number too. And, you know, it was very much, they, they completely incorporated you into their family. They were just the most wonderful people. And they still are. I mean, I, I still think I have so much respect for all of them. Yeah. yeah that's so lovely. And so yeah. you were there for three years. So why and how did that situation change? So, that, so I decided to, um, so during this time, the sports agency had, it wasn't doing the greatest. And so I'd been speaking with Carrie and saying, do you think it's time that we should go out on our own now and actually just start our own company? And my, my, my private client was, he'd stopped playing um, his professional sport. And so his time was becoming quieter and he was becoming, um, he wasn't needing full-time support. So on the side, I'd said to him, is it time that maybe we reduce me from full-time to part-time because you don't need that full-time support at the moment. So mm -hmm. he was fine with that. I'd had a couple of other people come through, you know, word of contact saying, um, word of mouth saying, we'd love to join, have you look after us too. And so I then took on well, I was then looking at taking on a second client, so splitting my time evenly. And, and I thought, well, maybe I should do this through a company. So mm -hmm. I said to Carrie, do you think we should start our own company? So Carrie and I actually went to this networking event in London and um, the networking event was, it wasn't really interesting. To, it wasn't really suited to us, I should say. It wasn't really aimed at us. So uh, at the end of the evening, we were like, should we go get a bottle of wine? So we, we had this bottle of wine at this, this little random bar opposite this networking event and we were sitting talking we, we were saying at the moment you know our, our because of the clientele we worked with we weren't working a standard nine to five we were working weekends and evenings and not really mornings and but that's obviously when we were in the office so we, we felt like we were working all the time um so I was helping support Carrie where I could Carrie supported me where she could whenever one of us was away mm. and then we, we had this conversation about should we start a company because wouldn't that be really really exciting and the sports agency wasn't doing very well at that stage so we decided to to start the company and, and see what would happen and the, the the sports company actually went under the agency went under and so we were like right let's just go for it let's let's yeah. give it our everything and everyone told us you know your first six months you have to save enough money you're not going to make any money it's going to be so scary, you know, companies fail in their first year. And we, this is what we went into this with, like, oh, my, we haven't prepped for this at all. We haven't saved. We haven't thought this through. But we've started this company and we're going to have to make it work. And actually, our first year was just unbelievable. So mm -hmm. Kevin, um, sorry, <laughs> my, so my client, my private client at that stage, um, when I told him about us joining the company, I asked if, I could move him into the company too, which was he, he was happy with. Yeah. At, at first, actually, I thought I was going to have to leave to start the company. And I remember sitting down and being like, I actually burst into tears trying to mm -hmm. tell him. And then he was like, don't even worry about it. I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah. So that we, he came to join us at the company as well. So um, we had this client, you know, my, my main client came and joined us. And then loads of these sportsmen that we'd worked with at the agency were like well we're coming too we still need this admin support so we're coming too and then this other client that I've been speaking to came on board and we just we were so busy that first year we I mean we didn't sleep we were just working constantly because we kept getting more and more inquiries and more and more inquiries and eventually it was like this is everyone told us we were going to fail this isn't crazy so um 
yeah we it it became like this massive learning curve and actually that first year was really really hard but you know what you did though you just like grabbed that opportunity because like if you didn't have that sports agency with the client base that you already knew who needed a service and you were starting from scratch elsewhere and the only person you knew was your existing client then that would have been a very different story absolutely Um, but the fact that yeah, you would have been absolutely mental to have not done what you did when you did it. It would have been such a waste of an opportunity. And, um, and yeah, you're just giving what people needed. Yeah, I mean, it was also the perfect opportunity because the, the industry that we worked in was is is very niche, you know, that, that sports marketing is, a sports agency is, um, you've got hundreds of people trying to get into that, thousands of people trying to get into that. And we were so blessed that we were in it. And so we had built this reputation up within the company and within the people that we worked with of being really, really good at admin. Like we loved admin. Mm-hmm. And Carrie and I have both always had this, you know, this no is not an answer to us. Like we will try and make anything work. Sometimes things aren't possible, yeah. but we're never going to go in with a no being it's never going to be possible until we've tried every yeah (laughs) and that's what we got known for you know we would make the impossible possible so it was really wonderful when so many people wanted to come and join us and and that always a lot of those clients you know as they get new agencies they they will move on and but those relationships and friendships have have, will have lasted so that that's what really is the most important to us so your company's called the online assistance it is yeah and what what do you offer so can anyone come and use your service? It doesn't have to be sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we have six core main offerings, which is so business support, personal support, general admin, and then events, travel and uh, property management. Mm-hmm. And, and where we are, it's our clientele's range from small businesses, business leaders, um, entrepreneurs, investors. We've got high profile sportsmen and um, high profile faces. And we've also got private families. It's it's mm. you'd be surprised by the, the different types of um, clientele we have because people need support in different ways. And we yeah, just definitely. Need angle. And so this is this is for, this is more for suitable for families or small businesses that don't need a full time internal PA. Exactly. They just need like to forward you general admin bits. Absolutely. And do it on like a day rate or an hourly rate or something. Exactly. Yeah. So we charge like an hourly rate and some of our clients have retainers because we have a certain amount of hours that we dedicate to them every week. But yeah, so you, it's, it's kind of a pay per you pay as you go kind of Mm. service. So you can use as much or as little as you want. And yeah, just, it just helps families and small businesses who just can't afford that, that who or don't want to pay for a full-time sport. Because I find as well, it's not even a money thing. I think having, having a member of staff, that you're paying full time that isn't busy enough actually creates you work because all they Absolutely. do is say, what else do you want me to do? What else do you want me to do? And it's like, stop asking me that, just find something <laughs> to do. Um, so it's not even not even a money thing, is it? It's just like a, a, a something else to have to manage. Absolutely. Um, and there's so many tasks people actually, it's not even that they need someone else to do it. There's so many tasks people go, I just really don't want to do that. And they yeah. often actually then to them, if you go, well, I'll take that off your hand, take me an hour. They're like, great, best hour I've ever paid for. <laughs> yeah, good for you. How, when you set up, was there many other people doing what you do? Was there many other companies that do similar stuff? There, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of virtual assistance at that time. Mm-hmm. So online assistance. We also do in-person support as well. So we offer both. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there wasn't a lot of people doing what we do in that kind of industry. Now, I mean, it's just blowing up. There's virtual assistance everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
But you know what? Anyone that's listening that wants to do something on their own and thinks the market's saturated, good. It shows that there's a need for it. Recruitment. Imagine, like, look at the recruitment sector. There are yeah. a trillion recruitment companies. I think it's something like, oh my God, I, this is plucked out absolutely thin air and I could get it really wrong. But it's ten, tens of thousands of recruitment companies are set up every month in the UK. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that. Yeah. Every, every every single recruitment consultant that gets to a certain level in terms of billing goes off on their own with their clients that they're not meant to have taken, but they do, set up on their own. But on the but with that, say, for example, it's 20,000 a month. I can imagine 18,000 a month of recruitment agencies close at the yeah. same time because they get to it. And it's not just a case of sitting there and billing. There is so much bullshit that goes along with having to do it anyway but yes yeah, so the fact that the market is saturated isn't a reason to put you off it's a reason to not at all I mean it's good to have competition as well I mean and, and also I mean there, there's hundreds and thousands of VAs and a lot of those VAs have individual you know not every VA offers admin support mm-hmm. um, outside of say um, some some VAs are really kind of dedicated to um, websites and mm-hmm. social media and some yeah. are dedicated to copywriting so mm-hmm. we've all got the same kind of hat but what we do our services all differ and yeah, it's, it is good to have. I mean, there's also hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that also need, you know, small amounts of admin mm. that don't need full time PA. So actually, there's work for everyone. And yeah, there's exactly. people in, you know, I, people all over. So there's London, Manchester, Birmingham, and that you could have 10, 15 families on your doorstep that go, I just need two hours of support, you know, a week. Mm. And you've got, you know, full time hours then. Yeah, exactly um and also I don't know if this applies to you but in recruitment anyway like there isn't well I just think in any element of the private sector there is the personality fit between the print between the family and the service provider is really really important it's even important obviously if they have a housekeeper or a chef or a house manager then that personality fit is very important but when they start using external suppliers there's still that element of a fit that needs to happen between the supplier and the and the, and the family so even though there are even though I've got loads of competitors I've definitely got clients who I don't suit or sorry there are definitely families who my brand wouldn't suit but equally I've got lots of clients who use us because we're such a good fit on the person personal level and you must have that as well it, you know it's I think sometimes it's such a personable relationship yeah. sometimes it is really I the, the the way I probably explain it sometimes is that you are really your client's wife or husband or mm. it is such a personal thing to have a PA or a VA mm. and you know that person's life inside out you don't really have secrets you share your diary you share your emails mm. you have every um you have access to every part of their lives so it is a personal thing and absolutely it becomes do I see myself having a good relationship with this person mm can I have a conversation with them? Because if you can't have a conversation with that person, you're probably not going to be able to support them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you don't get each other, you need to get to a point with your clients where not a lot even needs to be said. Like an email can be forwarded and it just be dealt with. You haven't got to pick up the phone and explain. And that click needs to happen fairly early on if it's going to be an effective partnership. Exactly. And I, I think a lot of our clients, what we really love is that we don't have a relationship with just one person in that that industry so you know we, we have a lot of families or we have a lot of CEOs but we also have a relationship with those CEOs wives you know we help support them with their children so we 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 may offer business support to a small business but actually that business support grows to private support as you support them in other areas and mm. I think that's what I really really enjoy is 
that that relationship becomes much bigger than just one-on-one yeah which is so nice and also a bit of security for the company point of view because if, yeah. if the principal gets hit by a bus you've still got a, back, a backup principal um, yeah yeah someone gets ill yeah that's what so that's actually something we've been carrie and i have uh we we try and read a different kind of business book every oh, and discuss it yeah, yeah. so actually one of the books that we've just finished is the the 20 rule have you read yeah. that yeah. yeah and how about how to make your business sustainable and, and yeah. absolutely you never know when that relationship might turn sour yeah. or they might meet someone that they have a better click with and then you know you lose that clientele so it is really really important to build those relationships I mean that is something that is so important to us building lasting relationships and and building trust and friendship yeah exactly it's so much easier to uh, maintain a client base and grow fairly organically and have them for life than be constantly trying to find new clients to replenish old clients all the time it's just sensible um and so the online assistants then so are there many of you so Kerry and I are the, the two co-founders and then we have two really wonderful, well actually technically three really wonderful women that work with us. So we've got mm-hmm. one woman, um, her name is Jordan, she's amazing, she does our social media mm-hmm. and she has got such a wonderful vision, she really understands us and actually just translates that really well to paper or yeah. the web actually I should say yeah. uh, and then we've got two lovely ladies that um who work with Kerry and I uh that work with us not for us because I think that's also a really important um aspect of the the relationship the online assistants have internally yeah. we work really well and support each other really well but the the four of us work on all the admin uh, and actually we're looking at bringing in another person at the moment just to work more on our account so um, we've got Una who helps us with um, a lot of minute taking because we do a lot of HR internally uh, for different companies uh, we've got Rose who does a lot of the operations and is really great with events and whatnot mm-hmm. and then we're looking at bringing someone in now who can help us with just the bookkeeping side if anyone's listening what's the job yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um okay great and so obviously there's the other and then I assume the company's obviously evolved a bit over the years so you've got to where you are today and so what is like you could obviously not be in the private sector what is it about the private sector that you enjoy so much I I love having I love the fact that we have it's you know this is something that we've created it's we've got a lot of ownership in what we push out there that that's our voice you know Mm -hmm. if you look at our website or our social media it's us and I think what I love is that we we're able to now write how those stories go and we're able to it's different when you're a PA and you work for someone because you're working for a company, you've got this contract, you've got this certain way that you have to do things. But with us, we've, we've actually been allowed to dictate how those relationships work. We can say no to things mm. that that's so many people don't know how to say no. Mm. I, I, if you don't enjoy doing something or you don't know how to do something, you can say no, I, that's not. And also if you have a client that you think is not the right fit for you as well now you can also say no it's not just a one-way street so what I love about being in the private sector is that ownership and that oh sorry that's all right we'll crap that bit mm-hmm. my um so I think what I love about being in the um the private sector is the the ownership and I mean I'm really immensely proud of what Kerry and I have achieved yeah you, you know we, we we started the online assistance in 2017 and so we're, we're three years in and um we both have this dream and this this aim of what we want the online assistance to be. I mean, I I want children, Carrie wants children. That's something that's really important to us. So we wanted to have this business that was sustainable and safe 
that you we could have that without the fear of losing everything so um, I mean my dream would be one day that we would have a small you know little London office with a nursery attached to it so that we could have women who also want that to have children and be able to still work and and have the, their children close by so yeah I want to have this this business that um that that allows me to fulfill that dream of having children one day you know what that's one of the big things I think that's come out of this pandemic is the quality of work-life balance and yeah. how much time people have managed to make for themselves without the commute without the socializing without the distractions and actually like I've whilst I miss a lot of the social stuff and all the rest one thing I'm definitely going to try and keep coming out of the pandemic is more time for me and my family and not book up every Thursday night Friday night Saturday Sunday with stuff like try and have like every other weekend with just no plans like I love a, I love no plans um <laughs> but like you say yeah I think we've uh, that's definitely like um uh a key thing that I have with my business as well is the work-life balance and my days of working you know 100 hour weeks are just behind me and I seek pleasure elsewhere now do you know what I mean and like being able to clock off and you can still have an incredibly successful career within the private sector and have the opportunity to go start a family and raise a family and all the rest it doesn't have to be one of, it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't and I think so many people are they because so many VAs start as just like you know one man bands and they it's you know they have one client or a few clients and they all get quite scared that that they can't grow to have that mm -hmm. And I think that that's what's so important about having that ownership is that actually you can. Mm, exactly. Also work in the private sector. There's always going to be rich people. So yeah, always, yeah, of course. There's always yeah. Going to be clients, even recessions and <laughs> Brexit, like they're always, they're always going to be there. Like, we're well, yeah. all right. Um, and so, what, so what's some of your obstacles? On a day-to-day -day basis, there must be parts of your job that you either hate or you find super difficult. Like what's some of the challenges you face working with Ultra High Net Worths? So I think one of I think one of my biggest obstacles when I first started was I actually do enjoy an office environment, mm -hmm. and so I have a home office, um, and not so much now in in Scotland because we've just got you know a couple of desks in in the spare bedroom, but in London we had you know a really nice home office setup, and that to me was so important because I know myself and the way I work, mm -hmm. I thrive at being at my desk. I love being at my desk. I love being on my email. I love being, you know, kind of in the zone. Mm. And I also love working with people who are also in the zone. And um, I think one of the biggest obstacles I found during lockdown, especially, is it's quite alienating working by yourself mm. all the time. Mm. <laughs> so I, I think I'm probably on Teams most of the day, actually. I think a lot of our clients are, we all use Teams. So mm. we all love a catch up and we all love chatting. So we're all always on Teams, which is quite nice. But um, before lockdown I, we'd often have Kerry or Rose or Una work together and that was really lovely yeah so I think yeah that's something I'm definitely missing yeah. um so for me I know I need an office environment I need a printer and a scanner and a shredder and I need my laptop and I need my books my papers my files and um and then the other obstacle I think is that there's only so many hours in the day and I can sometimes lose track of time and it'd be midnight and I'm still working on something because I'm you know kind of really going for it um and then there's, there's only one of me so yeah. 
you I sometimes I do do a lot of um in person I do a one day in person and pool one day in person in Bur uh, Birmingham um and then sometimes I'll do a day in Fulham so if that can be quite a lot in a week mm. and that means that you know often I'm up at five o'clock in the morning to get a train to get to Birmingham by, by eight or eight thirty or even nine o'clock which mm. it's a long day of travel and then back down that evening up the next morning doing the same thing to get to pool so that can be sometimes an obstacle so again it's about that being able to say no to things and also making sure that you don't put, don't burn yourself out because sometimes you can you can really really just yeah work too hard and and not take a break or take time off what I learned and it was when I had Freddie my first my boy uh, like two years ago I realized that I didn't actually have to do things immediately and that's what I used to find I used to get an email at 7am on a Saturday morning and if I haven't replied by five past seven I'm stressing out and the client or the whoever I mean is not doesn't want me to reply no. past seven. They want it off their desk. They want to hear from me on a Monday morning. Um, and that's one thing I've sort of learned now. I've tried to sort of like chill out a little bit in terms of like my deliverables and like think to myself, well, obviously if it's urgent, I'll do it immediately. I'll do it three in the morning if I have to. But often when you get requests, it's not urgent and you don't have no. to treat it as urgent. And it's just to sort of pace yourself a little bit to give you that sort of, you know, structuring your day that you need we use this um we use these one two and three allocations for things that come in so we because we push everything out through asana through so not everything is done by myself or carry often rose or una will take it so we we push out everything with a one two three so ones that come in have to be done straight away because they're urgent yeah. twos have to be done really within that week or in a set time scale and threes are they're there but they're not urgent so for example one of the things that we've been working through for one of our clients is we have been digitizing their entire hr file because we have so many different offices and it's impossible to have all these files in one place so and then also when no one's in the office for mm -hmm. you know over a year with lockdown it's impossible mm -hmm. to get certificates or whatnot that's needed so one of the tasks we've been doing is digitizing everything so that mm -hmm. I mean some of these folders go back 20 years it's unreal but mm -hmm. um that's been a three because it's not something that they need done tomorrow or this week but it'd be great if we can get it done you know within a month yeah that's, fine. that's nice and easy task yeah. yeah that works well well so in terms of ultra high with clients themselves do you find you have some that are more difficult than others in terms of their demands or their expectations or how do you find them as individuals to work for? So a lot of, I have to say a lot of our clients, our high net worth clients are, um, they're lovely and we love, they're, they're not demanding, but sometimes, um, sometimes you can have just a different view on life, right? Mm -hmm. So I probably, you know, I'm not um, a multimillionaire, so I probably don't see an issue with certain things. Um, that's probably the wrong way of saying it. I don't see certain things being impossible mm. um so it's about managing expectations I think that's the big thing that it's you know um if a, if a flight sold out of first class seats it's not as simple as we'll just get one because mm. that's not possible that the flight sold out so what are our other options book a business class seat most likely someone's not going to show up for that flight we can bump you on the day mm. or get you on another flight so yeah I think that's about managing expectations but I have to say overall our clients are they are they're very hard working all of them and I think they do have a very very good concept of yeah expectations and, and, and especially around I think a lot of what we've been seeing is around COVID people um haven't understood 
that things can take longer you know a lot of people have um a lot of what we've been seeing in our networking groups is I'm really struggling because my clientele doesn't understand that things coming from Europe are taking longer and it's not going to be a tomorrow. We haven't thankfully had that at all. Actually, one of our clients has been traveling through um, through Africa during this whole process. And I think the only uh, the only request that he had come through that we, we just physically could not get was trying to get him a vaccine. Mm. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, I generally find the clients that we work with, like, they're reasonable people, like, they, they're just normal people, and they get it, um, they have expectations, and they don't want to be let down, and they, um, they have the money to pay for a service, they want to receive a service of a certain level, which is fine, but they're not, like, ridiculous, if anything, the clients that I found ridiculous are the clients that we don't really work with anymore, which is basically your dealer celebs, who um, expect everything for free, think they're all that, um, high demands, treat their stuff like crap, um, rude, uh, not that wealthy, very tight. And actually, I wouldn't see them as clients in the private sector anyway. Um, and you get to the point anyway when you start to pick and choose who you work with. And ultimately, if the service you're offering, if the, the clients you choose ultimately will reflect on your company because you will either be able to service them well or not. You may as well work with clients you can service well because absolutely any reputation and all the rest. And also you want to enjoy the people you work with. I know this sounds awful, but I always think, you know, your, your clients are like a garden and you have to sometimes prune that garden mm -hmm. to make everything grow better. Mm -hmm. And if you have someone that is making you unhappy or making you stressed, why keep them in your life? Yeah, exactly. I am. Um, I love firing clients. <laughs> doesn't happen very often. Doesn't happen very I'm often. not good at that. I'm not good at that. I'm like, I'm get, I get so emotional. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it always starts that way. And then like, yeah, so it only gets to a point when it's just if you're messed around a bit too much or not exactly. paid or was better. But it really, really, really is few and far between. And I think ultimately, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people that we that we work with are yeah just lovely absolutely lovely like our clients as well like yeah lucky in a way um so sort of wrapping up then so I suppose how's COVID affected your business it, because you're all remote anyway has it had any impact whatsoever or so I would say that we were very very lucky in terms of the whole world moved remote and we had been remote for years beforehand so yeah. we were very set up which very grateful for now um actually our business has thrived during COVID, which is surprising. Um, and the reason for that is a lot of our businesses were affected absolutely, but we we took on a lot of a HR function mm. during COVID. So actually we upskilled ourselves and we took on internal HR, which we hadn't done beforehand. So mm. we managed all the furloughing and furloughing for our small businesses and our clients that had any employees. Mm. Um, we helped clients get out of their leases. We Where clients couldn't travel into London or they didn't have where they'd furloughed their entire staff we went and cleared offices and got rid of office computers and desks and everything needed to be done we also um did all uh so any clients that needed to do redundancies over um lockdown mm. we did all their redundancies and um we some of one of our companies didn't make it through unfortunately and so we helped assist with the the liquidation of that so we we really um, incorporated the HR side and, and mm -hmm. took on anything that we could to help those businesses struggling during that time. 
Yeah, that's a really good opportunity, isn't it? Where people are, we're all in this unknown world and people need advice and support. And yeah. if you guys um, were sensible enough to upskill to offer that support, that's brilliant. God, I bloody needed you a year ago and I was fighting <laughs> around with my rent like rent, my office space. That would have been ever so useful. Um, but yeah, I can see why you would have been of, of such good use to a lot of people. Um, and... And here we are today then. So what's your sort of like, what's things looking like for you now? What's your plan in the next sort of year or two? Back to London and continued growth or? Back to London, definitely focusing on our growth as well. So one of the things that Kerry and I have really um, tried to, to do, you know, we've both been PAs for so long and then becoming these business owners is trying to take ourselves out of that employee mindset into the business owner mindset which is so difficult so yeah. we're, we're focusing more on our business where we're handing off more tasks to the, the lovely ladies that support us and actually giving them more so that we can spend more time on that, that business growth as I said we're looking to take on another person who can help us with the bookkeeping side and, and we're just focusing really on on making our like the company really stand out so um, bringing in more clients that's really a big aim for us this year is to, to bring in more clients as well so yeah business growth absolutely and and who knows where we'll be in two years but uh, yeah, yeah we, we, we want to be um, yeah, we're, we're excited about where we're going. Well, we've just want... done our website as well. Say again. We've just redone our website as well. So your website is lovely. Very exciting. Yeah, your oh, thank you. Yeah, really, we've really a lot of work into it. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. It's so important. It's your shop window at the end of the day. So it is important. It is absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we were focusing on is that that you know we would be talking about the the 20 percent rule and and so some of these books that we've been looking at is about making sure that what your offerings are are really clear and that's what the website was for us we wanted to clearly define what our six core offerings are which we hadn't actually even realized when we looked beforehand that our previous website wasn't doing that so it's really important to make sure you get that messaging right so that's what we've, we've really focused on as well during lockdown yeah, nice. Well, if the last two years anything to go by, I think you're gonna have a wicked two years. So, <laughs> so there we go. Well, it's been lovely. It's so good talking to you. I think it's so interesting to hear uh, other people's journeys, how you got into the sector, how you worked your way through it, why you do it, what you find challenging. So I think a lot of people listening will resonate with so much of that. Um, and it's also super inspiring the fact that like, and I've said this before, like it's not actually that difficult setting up your own business you just need to have something to sell and someone to sell it to absolutely something to sell and someone to sell it to you can get support and trained up and advice on how to actually deliver the service but that's the sort of key and um and the private sector is a great place for it for it and in one sense i found um before lockdown anyway i found the private sector to be especially in the recruitment side of things competitive uh secretive like don't help each other this pandemic especially since that podcast as I feel like brought so many of us together I've never yeah. felt more connected to other people that work in the private sector than I do now which is mental I think it should be about you know people supporting each other I, I was going to say women supporting each other but it's not it's about people supporting yeah. each other. we we have a lot of um friends um who are in the same position as us who run their own VA companies or yeah themselves and and I would never ever want to lose those friendships because we do the same thing actually what I what I love is being able to to find out what those companies are going through what they're going through and mm. you know share what I'm going through and have that that wonderful relationship of being able to to talk to someone have them understand you 
Yeah, and learn from each other. It was only last yeah. night. Last night I did a clubhouse. Look at me, all dead and modern and cool. <laughs> I did a clubhouse room last night with um, a couple of other owners of exactly the same recruitment agency to me. A year ago, we probably would never have like wanted to talk to each other in case we nick each other's clients and all that kind of stuff. But absolute rubbish. Let's learn from each other. Let's come together. Let's love each other. We're working together on a vacancy at the moment, and like. People like that, 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 your competitors are the best people to learn from. I completely agree. And and they push you, they drive you to be the yeah. best that you can be. You need that. You need healthy competition in your life. Yeah, 100%. Otherwise, it'd be a piece of piss and you don't have to do anything. <laughs> um, but look, no, really inspiring, really useful. Um, I am definitely going to bear you guys in mind because... I used to have sort of full-time office support internally and didn't need it, but there are definitely times when even I need it and stuff. So I'm not an all China at work, but would you help random people? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> We'd love to help you. Yeah, there's always random bits and bobs here and there, especially on the contract side of things. But anyone listening that wants to reach out, it's the online assistants. And when we uh, release this, we tag Kate in all of our content posts. There'll be a blog, there'll be email campaigns and stuff. So you'll get plenty of opportunity to be put in touch with Kate and the online assistants. If there's anything that you or your principals need, or even just a chat about working as a VA, mate, VA, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, so yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, thank you very much for your time, Kate. Thank you so much for being allowing me to be on here. So, no, no worries at all. Thanks for coming on and enjoy the rest of the day. And to everybody listening, thank you once again for tuning in. I really do appreciate everybody's support. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with me myself, I'm Philippa at Silver Swan Recruitment. You can get me on LinkedIn. Uh, Follow us on socials, all the usuals. And um, if we can help you with your job hunt or help you find staff, come and visit us at silversongrecruitment.com. I'll see you all in a couple of weeks. Cheers, guys.